0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Talk about fear, guilt, and shame And how those particular emotions are manipulated And used by religion to control other people And we'll be getting into that a little bit more um, A little bit later on I wanted to do some um, announcements first And let's see here May is lupus month Yay! You know, I'm glad that some attention is being brought To this horrible Um, disease. Um, For those who aren't familiar um, with this, I was diagnosed with lupus last year, and basically it knocked me on my butt. Um, the The latter part of the year was not very good for me, and neither was the beginning of this year, but, you know, we finally got me on the correct medications. We're trying different things out to kind of pull my life back in order. So, you know, when I kind of dropped off last year and maybe... Some of you thought I was acting a little strange. Um, Just a lot of things happening with me, and a lot that goes on with this particular disorder, you know, autoimmune disorder. But in addition to lupus, there are other issues happening with me. But since, you know, May is Lupus Awareness Month, I wanted to shout out some of the common signs and symptoms so that you guys will understand. Now, one of the problems that I had and, you know, many other people have had was to get a diagnosis, I had been fighting with doctors for years to get a diagnosis for my hypothyroidism. I have an underactive thyroid, and once we got that diagnosed, um, I was on a medication for a couple of years, and I got better, but I was not where I felt I should be, and then that's when I knew it was the lupus, and then I had to fight to even get that diagnosis, and I had to fire a couple of doctors. And go back to my old doctor who actually listened to me, and then that's when we finally got the diagnosis and, you know, just kind of you know let some other people know um, that maybe going through it, I was scared shitless. Um, it took friends, a few friends, real friends, a couple of months to convince me to make the doctor's appointment because I already knew, and I didn't want to make the doctor's appointment. And they finally convinced me after a couple of months of talking and talking. And then when I made the appointment, I made the appointment two, three months down the line, you know, more procrastination. And, you know, it's scary. It really is. And, you know, knowing that you have a disease or a disorder that there is no cure for. And literally, your body is attacking itself. And, you know, Without the aid of the medication, you know, um, it's sure death. So, you know, when I talk about some of these topics, you know, that we kind of go over many times, I'm talking from personal experience. So um, some of the symptoms for lupus, fatigue and fever. Um, Every morning when I get up, um, part of my daily routine, you know, cleansing of the face, brushing of the teeth, I take my temperature every morning to make sure that I don't have a fever um, and different issues like that. But fever and fatigue, um, joint pain, stiffness and swelling, butterfly-shaped rash on the face that covers the cheeks and bridge of the nose, skin lesions that appear or worsen with sun exposure, fingers and toes that turn white or blue when exposed to cold or during stressful periods, shortness of breath, chest pain, dry eyes, headache, confusion, memory loss, um, add to that fog. Because sometimes you go through these times where things are just foggy, you don't remember things. I know, you know, if I told someone something and I was supposed to call you or whatever and I didn't, please, it's because it just slumped my memory. So um, forgive me for that. But um, there are a lot of other, you know, symptoms, but those are, the ones that are most common and you know guys insist that your doctors um, do the testing you know the ANA blood test um, is imperative that you have that done and you know sit down and find a, a doctor a physician that can help you uh, more than likely if you do have it you'll be referred to a rheumatologist who can do even further testing to find out and see what's happening but Yeah, you know, definitely you want to keep an eye out for that there. So, again, um, Black non believes of Chicago and Kimberly, me personally, um, I donate to the Lupus Walk. Um, There were a couple of people that were participating in the Lupus Walk, and I donated some money towards their walk. Um, We also want to raise awareness for autism as well. So those of you out there, you know, get active. You know, that's what I've done. Started working out, getting active. Going to run a marathon later on this year. Only 5K now, let's not get crazy. But, you know, it's happening and it's coming up. So get checked out and find out what's happening in your area. Um, I mentioned BNOC, Black Nonbelievers of Chicago. That is my organization here. And this past Friday, Angela Davis was in Chicago, and we actually went to see her. A few of us um, had the opportunity to go out and see her, and she was absolutely amazing. She was wonderful. So I posted on my page that she had recommended some books, and, you know, I'll just shout them out real quick. Normal Life, Administrative Violence. Um, critical Trans Politics and the Limits of Law by Dean Spade, Queer Injustice, Criminalization of LGBT People in the United States by Jerry Mogul, um, Captive Genders, Trans Embodiment in the Prison Industrial Complex by Eric Stanley, Arrested Justice, Black Women, Violence in America's Prison Nature, I'm sorry, Prison Nation by Beth Ritchie. So, those were the four books that she shouted out and... You know, she talked about genderism, transphobia, homophobia, sexism, feminism, abolitionism, so on and so forth. Um, She talked about young people being active um, in the community and protesting, and it was just wonderful. So if you all get a chance to check her out, if she's coming to a city near you, I would suggest that you get out there. Um, This Monday coming... Black Non-Believers of Chicago, we're going to be stretched. There's something happening on the DePaul campus. Um, It's going to be a series um, about the Young Lords. And for those who aren't familiar, the Young Lords basically was the Puerto Rican version of the Black Panthers. Um, They received training and expertise and motivation and support from the Black Panthers. So the speaker will be Dr. Elias ortega Aponte. Um, This is going to be on the DePaul campus, and what time does this start? It starts at 6.30. So we have that going on. We may have a few members attending that, but there's another – event happening on the University of Chicago Monday. Tim Wise will be here, and he'll be talking about affirmative action in our so-called post-racial society. So that's happening at the University of Chicago, 5 o'clock Monday evening. Also, that same night, is going to be a panel roundtable um, with some professors from all over the city And they are going to be talking about Black politics in the age Of Obama And that takes place at 6.30 So I'm going to have to be running From the 10 Y's over to this Other one because I actually want to attend Both So for those of you who you get a chance to come out To University of Chicago We may or may not be sitting together But I'm just letting you all know that I will be Running back and forth to both events there So Um Come on out, enjoy. Other activities are going to be coming up for, you know, be not later on this year. We're going to have a barbecue that's coming up. As a matter of fact, uh, for May 18th, I scheduled an event for some murals. Um, So, you know, just check it out. Check us out on Meetup, and you'll get an idea of what's happening with our group and what's coming up in the future. All right, and our telephone number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273, and I just wanted to kind of shout that out. What I found interesting, um, the night for Angela Davis, and the line was around the corner. So that's a heads up for those of you who want to see Tim Wise. The line will definitely be around the corner. As I was standing there, you know, of course, me and a bunch of other people, you know, this police car, well, unmarked police car, pulled up and looked directly at me and, and asked me who was who was standing in line to see. And I just found it interesting that, you know, of all the people standing there, they chose me to talk to. But that's a whole different story. Don't want my paranoia getting the better of me there. But I just want to let you all know what's happening there uh, next Sunday. The 12th of May, we will be talking about black women. We'll be talking about stereotypes and victimization. The 19th, the Sunday after that, we will have Dr. Chris Cameron on the show, and we'll be talking about his life, his journey in life, um, and free thought history. I've posted a couple of articles by Dr. Cameron, and it should be a really, really great conversation. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Next month, as soon as I lock down the date, we will have Derek Mack, also known as the Anti-Intellect, on the show. On the last Monday in June, we will start our podcast for um, our book club. Now, that won't be on a Sunday. I just thought about that. Sorry about that, guys. It won't be on a Sunday. That's going to be on a weekday when we do those. Um, it'll be on the evening. And we will be discussing the bluest eyes. So that's the first book that we're going to talk about. Another book that I'm going to add to the list, we are going to add Uncle Tom's Cabin because I'm tired of people calling other folks Uncle Tom. We are going to teach you the difference between a Tom and a Sambo important that you understand because when you walk around calling people Uncle Tom's, apparently you do not understand what you're saying, and you have not read the book. So, you know, we're going to educate you a little bit on that, and we can go from there. So that's what's happening, um, you know, the next, you know, several weeks to come, and locking down... um, few more dates for the show, and on the show that anti, the Anti-Intellect anti will be on, we will be talking about black male feminists. So, you know, that should be, you know, a wonderful show. We should, you know, learn quite a bit. And for those of you who are interested in learning more about feminism from a black male perspective, one book that I would suggest is Black Men on Race, Gender, and Sexuality. Critical reader and... This is a really good book, so guys, go on, pick that out. You ladies also. Um, it's a good book to kind of get an understanding and see things from a male perspective. So on that note, um, we will try to get into, you know, our show a little bit more. And let's see here. Again, our telephone number is 310 982 Four two seventy three, and if you want to speak with us and get in on the conversation, you have to press one. All right, so we are talking today about fear, guilt, and shame, and you know this can be taken in so many different directions. Um, today on the Melissa Harris Perry Show, as you know, you know we kind of like that show a little bit, and they were talking about a case in Atlanta that just kind of um, is starting to get some publicity, starting to get some media, whereas athletes at Morehouse College, a few athletes, not all of them, are being accused of rape. They are being accused of raping a couple of young ladies on the Spillman campus, and, you know, when Melissa Harris-Perry was going you know, through some of the different scenarios, you know, it resonated with me because these are things that we've talked about before and it kind of falls in line with what we're talking about today. And, you know, with the rape culture in this country, they teach women that we should dress and act a certain way and that would prevent rape. Instead of teaching the men not to rape a woman, and what was presented on that show, which is true, is some men do not understand what consent is or isn't, and again, it's an educational process on both ends, and I'm not saying that all men do not understand that. There are a few that have no clue what consent is, and some of that comes back to, you know, our culture, whereas some men feel that they are entitled to have, you know, relations with women and who are we to deny them. And some of that goes all the way back to slavery, whereas, you know, some, there were women that were taken advantage of, that slave masters took liberty with those women, regardless of what they had to say or how they felt. Um... But anyway, you know we're not, you know, going to take it that far back. I want to put that on your mind. But with these young ladies in this particular case here, one of the women reached out to Melissa and was saying that she was being revictimized in the sense that there were women on the Spelman campus who were basically admonishing her and ostracizing and shunning her and basically trying to make her feel as though she brought it on herself and that reporting, you know, the rape and the crime is going to hurt these young men's future and, you know, going to damage their reputation kind of falls in line with what happened up in Steubenville, in Ohio, whereas people were defending those um, young men. Because they felt as though those young men's future, you know, futures were being damaged because of the young lady, and with the young woman at Spelman, you know, they're accusing her of being drunk and high. They basically are saying that she um, had ingested Molly, which is a drug, and from the article that I posted and from what I understand, they feel that someone may have possibly slipped that right into her drink. So, you know, the details are still coming out about that case, but at the end of the day, if she was inebriated, if she was impaired in any capacity whatsoever, it still was not the wisest decision that they could have made to have relations with her or, you know, or anyone in that particular um, situation there. So, I don't know, it's just, you know, there are things that we need to talk about because a woman should be able to dress any way that she wants. If a woman wants to express herself and liberate herself sexually, she should be able to do that, you know, and the responsibility falls on both ends. But when it comes down to rape, you know, that's a different ball game. But that's one of the reasons why, you know, we want to talk about different subjects. Um, I had scheduled a show for BDSM for this past Friday, it started up and then the show just dropped. We've been having a few issues um, with BTR, and, you know, my apologies. We'll try it again, but I posted some links. But I believe that one of the, you know, um, factors in us being liberated as individuals Part of it is our sexual You know uh, our sexuality And being able to express Yourself or in some cases There's some people that are asexual And, and that's okay too And that's fine but You know, again, it's about opening the conversation. It's about talking to one another, getting a better understanding as to what's happening and what's not happening. So in that case, you know, we're going to follow that one particular case with this young lady and those young men down at Spelman and Morehouse. It's unfortunate that it's come to this, but at the end of the day, if those women were violated, then they had every right to report those crimes. And what we are going to have to learn as a society, as a culture, as a community, is if if someone commits a crime, then that person deserves to be brought to justice. But the judicial system also needs to be revamped because it does not make any sense that someone who is convicted of a petty crime give the same amount of time as someone who does a hard crime. You know, there is a difference between the two. And also we need to start teaching that when these types of crimes happen, we need to start reporting them. That no snitch rule that has to go out the window. It has to go. Um, And also, again, we have to stop re-victimizing the victim. And, you know, again, you know, Connecting this to religion, you know, because, again, we're going to talk about fear, guilt, and shame. And right here, we're talking about the shame factor with religion. If you go to Exodus twenty-two, sixteenth and 17th verse, it shames the woman into marrying her rapist. So not only is she victimized by, you know, someone taking liberty with her, she is shamed into marrying the very person that raped her. Um, In Deuteronomy 22 and 25 The woman is stoned If she's raped If she's married and raped And so again You know the victimization of women In this particular context Um, If you go to Judges 21 um, 10 through 24 It talks about rape There are a bunch of horrible Horrible scriptures In particular talking about rape um, In the Bible And You know, again, you know, we need to address these things because it is indoctrinated in our society, in our particular culture, and some people find these things to be normal, and as I've stated before, the dysfunction has become so commonplace that it's deemed normal, and we have to go back in, and we have to address these particular issues Because if we don't As we can see It's getting progressively worse And we have to stop Re-victimizing the victim um, That's why with one of the uh, um, JPEGs that I have up there It says There's nothing wrong with you Not at all And going back You know Just looking at You know Fear, guilt, and shame It seems as though you know, were kind of products of it, if you will. They, when I was in church, I'll I'll go from my personal perspective and experience. When I was in church, anything that was fun, anything that was enjoyable was deemed as sinful. Um, It was deemed as shameful and that, you know, we should fear it or they basically felt that, you know, made us feel guilty for engaging in it. You know, I remember when we were told that going to the movies was a sin. Well, we won't even talk about sex. We were told that sex outside of marriage was sinful. Um, and for many of us, you know, oh, we to say many of us, for some of us, we were not educated in sex. We were made to feel as though sex was something that was nasty or bad or, you know, and that's why sometimes I wonder with some of these young folks when their parents, you know, use the Bible and use scriptures to somewhat pressure and force these children to have a child that they conceived while, you know, quote unquote sitting, you know, are they doing that as a punishment? And what a what a hell of a way to punish your children by forcing them to have children that they are not ready to raise and not ready to you know be responsible for. And I just think it's a shame. I think it's a shame that we have to be very careful with that because again, in our culture, and I'm, I'm coming strictly from the American culture here, from the Western culture. They're concerned about the child from conception until the day you push it out, until the day you birth that child. Then after that, is no longer their concern. So they want you to have these children, and once you have these children, they want you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and take care of these children when there is no viable plan of action. To help you become a better parent In some cases some of these Young folks do not even have access To prenatal care And they've been shamed So much to the point that In some cases they're afraid to tell People that you know they're impregnated And or that they may be Experiencing any issues With the pregnancy and we have To educate ourselves we have to get Beyond that but you know Taking it back to you know religion Again you know, we're told that we were born into sin, and, you know, I just find it interesting and you find that in Psalms 5115, and, you know, basically from the King James Version it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. The NIV Version says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So I guess, you know, my question is, how? How are you sinful because your parents had sexual relations and conceived a child? And with that there, people are, you know, shamed and guilted from their very inception. And when you grow up, especially if you grow up in a religious community, you know, you're constantly being told that you're dirty, you're constantly being told that, Um, You're wretched and all of these things. And especially when you start listening to some of the music, just listen to the song At the Cross, you know, go look at the lyrics for that song. And you're being told that you're evil and dirty and nasty and all of these negative things because you were just born and you had absolutely no control over that. And then why are you being held responsible for something that someone else did? And that's the thing that I never understood. Um, you know, you're being shamed at childbirth. And basically, you know, childbirth, if you go back to Genesis three and sixteen, gen um, basically childbirth was begotten or begatten or basically childbirth was given to women as a punishment. And as, you know, painful punishment because they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I just find that interesting. I've always wondered if the tree of knowledge of good and evil was such an evil thing, and you can find that in Genesis 2 and 17, um, why was it there in the first place? Was it a setup from the very beginning, and also that takes us into the free will and predestination um, debate there And for the, those that are interested in predestination You can go to Ephesians one And get that information But again You know I just find it interesting How again with the fear, guilt, and shame It starts from the absolute Very, very beginning You know from You know when you're conceived And you know there are quite a few people That Carry this throughout their lives. You know, another example is, you know, the scripture with Jesus that says, pick up your cross, pick up your own cross, basically, and carry your own burden. And what burden is that? You know, they never really explain that, but people carry that guilt and that shame and that fear throughout their lives. And we need to find a way around it, we need to understand the psychological ramifications of being told these things. You know, while I understand that some parents and um, community leaders and preachers and whomever, they may feel as though they're doing the right thing by teaching these things and that this is how they can control other people. In all actuality is wrong because if these lessons were positive, if these lessons were you know, producing good fruit, if you will, then why is it that we have such a high rate of teenage pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies in some cases? Look at the statistics. Look at the information out there. Look at what's happening. Um, You're seeing more and more stories of young people, Killing their children or hurting their children Why is that? Why do we have such high crime rates? You know, if you look at the statistics um, Less than 1% or 1% or less Of prisoners are non-believers And the great majority You know, they categorize themselves As religious, as Christians So, you know, we need to ask these questions If it's, you know, such a great religion Well, why haven't we turned these things around in our community? But in addition to that, you know, if we're going to, you know, assign any type of guilt, fear, or shame, it should be assigned and the finger should be pointed to the leaders in our community, not only the religious leaders but the political leaders as well because they're also responsible for a lot of this. Where are the jobs? Where are the opportunities? Where are they things? People are donating and giving money, and they are yielding nothing, you know. So, again, you know, how are they good stewards of our money and our trust? Uh, We have a couple of callers on the line. I have someone from 323, and we have Deborah on the line. Hey, Deborah. Hi. How y'all doing? Good, Deborah. we have 323 on the line. That's Vita. Hey, Vita, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? I'm good, thank you, thank you But yeah, you know, I just think it's it's important, you know, that we have this discussion about fear, guilt, and shame And how it's used to control other people and how it's used to control the masses But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, and, you know, I've pointed this out on several different occasions Is that the leaders, or so-called leaders in our community, whether they're religious or political leaders they cannot even adhere to the social standards that they, you know, put in place and, you know, demand that the rest of us adhere to. You have these politicians being caught up, you know, to have a quote unquote wide stance while they're, you know, in public restaurants while, you know, they accuse the rest the rest of us of being sinful. You have these, you know, religious leaders that are being caught with their hand in a cookie jar. And all of these different things, but yet they still feel as though they have the entitlement and the privilege to stand in a pulpit or to stand in front of a news camera and admonish the rest of us and i I think we need to talk about it, yeah. so I just you know I'm finding all of that interesting, but one question I used to always ask um religious people and This kind of throws them off a little bit But wouldn't it be easier If God just forgave Satan And gave him another chance If we're going to look at it from a religious standpoint You know why would This God allow his children To suffer because he has A beef with someone who Disobeyed him How does that work Mm -hmm. So You know again you know these are things that we definitely, you know, we need to inquire, we need to look at, we need to look at the bigger picture. Um, And, again, you know, one thing I will say is what I'm loving about the Internet, what I'm loving about, you know, people finding themselves and getting the courage to be themselves, it seems as though a lot of the fears – That people once had That they're starting to shed those fears And with the advent of The internet and the technology You know people are able To read more They're able to listen to you know the podcast And able to interact with other people In different groups And basically They're able to you know Kind of shed a lot of this fear Shed a lot of the guilt Shed a lot of the, you know, the ignorance And, you know, that's out there And that's why I think it's important That we continue to educate folks But, you know, one of the things that I noticed When, you know, I was attending church Is that people fear being themselves Especially in a group setting And when they're around other religious people They kind of fall into the group thing and to a certain degree fall into that mob mentality. But when you catch them individually, they are willing to admit, you know, certain discrepancies. They are able to admit that they, you know, may or may not agree with certain things that are being taught. And, you know, that's one of the things that I don't, you know, understand just in general. Um, You know, they, they tend to fall into the roles that have been defined by the church, And if you all have been around for a while, the church and their definitions of roles and different things um, that we should or should not do or say or what have you, that has changed over time. So it just basically a lot of people are falling in line with what their pastors are saying. You know, um, you'll ask about different things and they'll say, well, it doesn't say anything about that in the Bible. So you'll have one group of people saying, even though it doesn't say anything about it in the Bible, we shouldn't do it. And then other people would say, well, it doesn't say anything in the Bible about it, so we can do it. And, again, that's where, you know, a lot of the confusion comes in. And if you're someone who does not, you know, fall into the different roles defined by the church, you're guilty, you know, in some cases for being different. And that's one of the issues that I had when I started attending church as an adult, because I went back. And I started attending church as an adult, but I was, quote, unquote, different. You know, they couldn't quite understand where I was coming from. And truth be told, I didn't understand quite a bit of what they were saying. Uh, it took me a while to catch on to the church lingo, if you will. you like no more. Yeah, it doesn't sound right anymore. Exactly. Exactly.
2: You, you weren't child, were childlike no more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: Because that's, yeah. that's what I did. That's what I did. I went back to, you know. But this time I didn't look at the Bible. When I, did, when I read, I didn't look through Biblio glasses. I looked at the book like it was a book. Right. Nothing special, just a book that I do... And, Another thing, a lot of people don't like to read. That's another thing. But, see, I was like, I've always been the type of person that loved to to read and research and do all that type of stuff. So I was a whole brand-new different type of person. I was ready. Whatever he came out of his mouth, I wrote it down, came home, fixed the kids something to eat, and took the rest of the time going over what he said and checking it out. <laughs>
1: but that's what you're supposed to do, but they don't necessarily want you to do that. And that's cool. why I remember I was attending this one mega church, and I used to take notes every Sunday faithfully. As a matter of fact, you know, I broke off a relationship that I was in because it was sinful. According, you know, to the Bible And what's interesting is um, The person I was in a relationship with Is the one that pressured me Into going back to church Because I wasn't city. You know, I didn't care one way or the other I didn't care if they went I was just non-religious You know, um, at that time You know, probably more along the lines of agnostic But not really giving a shit Right? And Basically, they pressured me into going to church And anyone who knows me Knows that I have uh, an A-type personality So if I'm going to focus on something I'm going to focus on it And study and, you know, get serious about it And what happened was I started getting serious about religion I'm like, all of these people look happy and thrilled And so I started getting serious And, you know, studying And... I came to the conclusion that my relationship was not ordained by God, and I dropped, you know, the relationship and moved out, moved away the whole shebang. And, you know, again, I went to three separate different churches and seeing the games that were being played, basically, again, going back to the fear, guilt, and shame, you know, um, At one particular church, the second church that I attended They knew, you know, about the relationship And they knew that, you know, again, it went against, you know, scriptures It went against what they quote-unquote believed in And, you know, I've never hidden who I was Never And the pastor knew all about it You know, I would bring my partner to church with me But the problem, what the issue was My partner is kind of a a gospel singer, we'll just put it that way, and the pastor saw what he could use her for to help him, you know, uh, fix up his choir, if you will, so he told me to let my conscience be my guide. And basically, he wanted me to bring her to, you know, choir rehearsal and all of that to help him with the choir and give them some instructions and and this is before you know I broke off the relationship, and basically it just turned into you know um a big messy situation because it was at that second church that the youth minister um basically gave my partner's son. Let's just say she gave him a lesson in adulthood that I was not real happy about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it caused some problems because we were fighting about whether to press charges or not. And, you know, the pastor was putting pressure to let it go and let God, because, um, you know, I kind of knew that that particular young woman, was having um, relations with the pastor, the married pastor. So, again, I saw a lot of hypocrisy, and, you know, I'm going definitely from my experience, and there was a lot of hypocrisy. Um, Then, you know, I went over to the megachurch. We have Mario on the line with us. I went over to a megachurch, which was the third and final church. You know, this church put the nail in the coffin, if you will. And basically, you know, the teaching was different over at the megachurch. And for those that aren't familiar, my mom was a member of a couple of mega churches down in Georgia and I absolutely refused to go because the mega churches down there, you know, were just some of the Christians in Georgia, something wrong with them. But that's another story. But I went over to this particular church and started listening to what they were teaching and it wasn't lining up with what was in the Bible. Because one of the things that they teach at a mega church is that you have the power. You hold the power. So if, you know, there's something you want, you're supposed to, quote, unquote, speak it into existence. Okay? So, I mean, what's the difference between speaking those things that be not as though they were and lying? Mm-hmm. To me, it's the same thing. You're speaking a lie. Well, you know, I've I've heard people say, well, You know, um, I'm a millionaire, but they're begging you for bus fare to get home, and they're saying, well, I have to speak it into existence. Well, here we go, 10, 15 years later, and they're still asking for bus fare, but they make sure they put their tithes and offering in every Sunday. But again, you know, going back to, you know, some of those issues, um, I mean, there are a lot of stories I can tell you about my experiences in church, but Again, they use the fear, the guilt, and the shame, especially when it comes down to the financial issues, when it comes down to tithing and offering. Um, Again, you know, they go back into, will a man rob God? I'm sure you all have heard that particular scripture, and I've actually gone toe-to-toe with a couple of preachers, and this was before I even just, you know, gave it all up and walked away and went back to my non-believing roots, if you will, but going back and basically going back and forth with them about how those particular scriptures were being taken out of context and how, you know, they like to um, quote Judaism and so on. And basically I was taking them back and telling them to speak to some Jewish people because Jewish people don't even talk. And if you go back and you start reading and understanding Judaism, the reason why they don't tithe is because there are no Levitical priests, you know, on the earth, so they cannot collect the tithe. And even when they do pay um, um, Jewish rabbis, they get these vouchers, these coupons. They don't receive cash. And, you know, just going back and trying to, you know, explain the culture and what it meant, um, you know, it's like talking to a brick but yet they guilt people every week into giving money, money that they cannot afford. So, you can know, I, you're... Can, be, I, ask, like, uh, um, can I can I So, in my experience, and the church that I grew up in, which was pretty much uh, a Christian cult, um, they had this uh, tactic, well, the the prophet or the pastor, he had this tactic where he would... He would literally, I kid you not So he'd have some guest pastors on the, You know, not pastors, guest ministers Or whatever on the stage or whatever Sitting on the pulpit And he he would turn to them and say I'm going to raise $20,000 right now You're going to see it He would basically um, Have people stand up and shout out How much they were going to give him Mm I'm going to give $1,000 And then they would shame And this is the interesting part He would shame those who did not stand up. Exactly. He would shame the Mm -hmm. the people. And and, and we want to talk about fear. Being in a Christian cult, there's a lot of fear involved. In fact, it's pretty much all fear. And I grew up afraid of this man because I was taught that he was a man of God and God worked through him. And he would do things that were um, extremely, extremely emotionally abusive to his congregation. Mm -hmm. And in fact... um, in fact, uh, Kim, when you are on my Facebook page, remember, and people were attacking you on my Facebook page? Oh, I read that I read... woman for points. I read her for right. point. I was hot when I read that. <laughs> so, And for those who are listening who don't know what I'm talking about, obviously, because not on my Facebook page, um, so there was a situation where a woman who, I grew up in a church um, that was very close in the sense that, We were in church pretty much five to six days a week. So I knew these people very well. Been in this church since I was about two or three years old. I left when I was about 19. So these are people that I've known the majority of my life. These are basically my family because I was with them all the time. It's services that would last till three in the morning or rehearsals for programs that would last till three in the morning. And um, on top of every service. So just so you get an idea of how much I know these people and how close we were and how much control they pretty much had over us. Um, Someone posted on Facebook A former uh, church A friend of mine from the church Well she was an older woman And she was actually one of the women I used to look up to growing up She used to run some of the youth programs And she said on Facebook She was upset because Basically the pastor had shamed her And said that she was A bad example to the youth And took away And stripped her of all her duties In front of the church In the middle of the church service the entire congregation, because I kid you not, because she posted a picture on Facebook of her and her mother, and in Jamaica on vacation, and they were wearing bathing suits. Wow. And they were covered. They had like yes. they had a bathing suit on with a sun hat and a nice little thing that you know the little robes that go over the bathing suits. They're just waving at the camera. Yeah. And the process that she was a bad example to be used for doing this. Well. She upset, and I I hit her up, and I'm she giving her support. She told me what happened. I go back on her page and I say, you know what, if, everything's if, if gonna be okay. I'm like, you know, giving her encouragement. Right. I got attacked by all of the other congregation members saying, who are you to console one that God has corrected? Mm. This is what they said.
3: Right. <laughs> right.
1: And so then after that, I got upset, and I was just like, so I posted it on my Facebook page. I basically called the, the prophet um, a narcissist, and the next thing I know, I'm getting attacked left and right. I mean, they're talking about one of my god sister posted on her page that God was going to cut off my bloody tongue. This is a, a girl who I, I knew my whole life, you know what I mean? All uh, yeah. the, this, And this shows you how much control, mind control religion can have Because if they're willing to turn against people that they love and care about and have known pretty much their whole lives because one man made up something in his head that he didn't think was right and just started making it up and scaring people. He would also scare people into thinking if you didn't obey him that God was going to punish you in some way because he was a prophet. So you grow up hearing these stories over and over again about how these People who didn't listen to him, something terrible happened to them. So he yeah. told this lady not to marry some guy. She married him. He ended up trying to kill her. That was because she didn't obey God, which was him. Mm-hmm. Um, he would tell these stories about how someone called him a name and they dropped dead on the spot. Like he would just tell you these stories all the time, and people believe mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and yeah, and but that's but that's kind of the tactic that's used in a lot of these and, and a lot, especially what I would call this was a Christian cult, so I'm sure it's a lot more extreme than your average church. But there's still a lot of similarities. I can't sit in a regular church for too long Because I still hear all the bullshit I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cuss. But well, that's what it is. All, all the <laughs> all the stuff that I heard um in in the church that I grew up in. It's, it's very similar. It's just they took it a little bit more extreme. So yeah, these I mean these fear tactics have a lot of control over how people do anything. If they're willing to turn against people that they love. I mean the I, I it's 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 really sick and it's scary how much control a religious idea can have over one's life. Even exactly. when it's against their yeah. own progress and their own success I totally agree. Yeah.
0: I, I agree. Exactly. Um I uh, you, you know my grandmother drove uh Joe's witness so it's pretty easy to become disfellowship from the from the uh church. Wow. Um, you know, just doing something they deem immoral and stuff like that and then, you know, I'm gonna send you a friend request though because normally somebody tag me if they need me to fight off people they don't wanna they don't wanna uh, deal with because they are feminine friends. They kinda call me the atheist mercenary, so oh, wow. I don't, you know.
1: <laughs> I like I like that. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, when it was brought to my attention, what was happening on Zita's page, because, you know, I don't sit there and just read everybody's stuff. I don't have that kind of time. But when that, you know, when it was brought to my attention and I went and I read it, and I was like, oh, no. And, you know, I had to go and I answered that woman point for point. And has she said anything else to you since then? Oh, she actually unfriended me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you know that
0: brings to mind uh, the story I heard um, when I was in in um, I wasn't fully disconnected from the church yet. I was already into non-belief, but I didn't know I didn't know I was basically. But anyway, apparently, um, one of the deacons was abusing his wife and was sleeping with another um, woman in the, in the uh, congregation, and so the uh, uh, one night, the uh, one time, the uh, the woman went to the um, the preacher and uh, um, said, talked to him about it. So next thing you know, you know, his entire sermon Sunday was about, that Sunday was about a woman's duty to her husband mm-hmm. and why she should obey her husband. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pretty much said enough stuff that everybody knew who she, who he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it, 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 then, you know, the church women were shunning her and treating her like shit and, Near thing and I'm I was disgusted by it. I was just utterly disgusted by it because I can't understand why you you let yourself be so mocked, so twisted by this religion. If religion is supposed to be about love and and compassion and stuff like that, how do you let yourself your mind become so twisted by it that you show everything but that? Of course, I don't believe it does. Love and but anyway. I
2: anyway you know, I have to look back. Like I said, I have to go all the way back to history and what people have gone through in the name of God, okay? And 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 it's a lot of dirty, low, damaging things that have done, have been done, to the point where you just break down. You know, like that that movie. Uh, and he says, "My name is Toby. My name is Toby." And then. They beat him and beat him and get he said what his name was. Oh no, I got it backwards right. He had another name, Kuta, and then they beat him so much and 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 like the point is the i like I said, okay, my mom was ninety one years old, so you you know what generation I'm dealing with. They didn't even bring up slavery as far as talking to us the majority i say majority of people in in that generation. Did not bring down the knowledge of anything from slavery to mm-hmm. us. Okay, I'll say it like that. Uh, and and therefore they just taught us straight up religion, you know, straight right. up. Uh, uh, and they didn't tell us the the bad stuff about it. Or the, that's something that you had to had to research for yourself. And so like that's how scared they were. You know they had to be scared into this religion. That's that's all I'm saying.
1: Exactly, and you know what? You know I find interesting is that you know if we're going to take it back to slavery, why is it that everything or you know pretty much everything that they taught us then was bad, but the religious part is supposed to be good? How how does that work? But you yeah. know. Yeah, you know, but people take it to the extreme. But let me give you all another quick Bible lesson here um, dealing with fear, guilt, and shame. And this is the one that's used most often. And this is, you know, um, an example that kind of um, undergirds what Vita stated a minute ago. But they use this scripture out of context so much. I mean, I've schooled some passages on it. They stopped saying it. Not only had they stopped saying it's me, they stopped saying it in their pulpit because I read them for points in public, and yeah. they use the scripture, "Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm." Now, while I've pretty much just discarded the whole Bible as mythology, um, I do read the Bible. I do read the Bible. I do read um, the Hadassah, the Tanaga, I Talmud. I, I read all of these different religious books for a reason. And but I also read um informationals and journals and all of that pertaining to culture anthropologies. To kind of get a better understanding of the people To understand what was happening In that particular culture But also what, you know, history books Pertaining to what we had to deal with In this country But anyway, getting back to touch not mine Anointed and do my prophets no harm Look, when someone comes at you With that particular scripture Telling you to close your mouth Or as Vita said That uh, God was going to cut off her bloody tongue You know, um, basically you respond to them and you tell them that with that particular scripture it's talking about physical harm. It is not talking about telling the truth about someone, about exposing wrongdoing. That's not what that scripture is about. Because if that is true, then Peter should have been killed dead when he called you know, I'm sorry, Paul should have been, you know, struck down when he called yeah, Peter. Oh, in the You know, um, Nathan should have died when he called David out. David should have died when he called out Saul. Do you understand? So, And, you know, there are many more examples than that, but they spoke the truth about those individuals coming from a biblical standpoint right there. So it was about physical harm. And when Saul was after David, David had the opportunity to kill Saul a couple of times. But he chose not to and that's where that scripture comes from. You know, do not touch my anointed one and do my prophets no harm. It was about physical harm. He wasn't supposed to touch him in a physical way, but he told the truth about him. So again, you know, while I throw out, you know, these scriptures all together, for those that are still on the fence and those that may still be believers, that's what that scriptures mean. You know, not to you know, touch someone physically, but it is your job to, you know, call out wrongdoing. That's that's basically what it shows. And what they do is they take this scripture out of context and they use it as a control mechanism. And this is why we've had so many issues in the church. Look at the Catholic church and look at the Protestant church. Look at both. You know, I've had arguments with people that that don't really understand you have Catholic and Protestant, and under each of those fall these other sub-denominations. You know, like we're Americans, but we have, you know, black, white, Latino, blah, blah, blah. And even though they're all social constructs, this is the world that we're dealing with. And basically, this is how a lot of the pedophilia has been covered up. This is how a lot of the misappropriation of funds has been you know covered up this is how a lot of the um you know the predatorial behavior this is how it's been covered up you know again, we need to make sure that we understand what's happening, and they do that to shut folks up, shut you up, and shut you down and that's what it's all about, and we need to understand you know what's happening there but yeah don't don't let them use that you know uh, you're harming or you're killing, you know, God's anointed one because you're telling the truth about that individual. It was a way to shut them down. That is the reason why you have some churches that are banning their members from using the Internet. They don't want their members yeah. on the Internet. And this is so that they can hide the truth from them and they can, they can keep control of them. So understand that. This is about intimidation It's about manipulation It's about domination Um, And it's about, you know, just control Of your life and control of your mannerisms, control of your Thoughts, control over everything That you do and everything that you think You know, and I mean going back To, you know even, you know, the scriptures, if we're going to use scriptures, you know, to justify this. In Second Timothy 1 and 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How are you of sound mind, and how are you fear-free? And how do you have love and power in your heart and in your tongue and in your life? If you're scared of the very people that God allegedly sent to teach you and to, have, to look over and to be your quote-unquote overseer, how does that work?
2: Because that's, because that's why they want to keep you childlike.
1: <laughs> that's why I keep
2: going back to it. Why Is it kind of like a... The... And a child.
0: Weird. Is it kind of like a... Uh, um? a much more exaggerated version of, like, Stockholm Syndrome. I mean, cause, yeah. you know, I find, it, I find it odd when I get into these long, drawn-out arguments with, and, um, and which definitely, without a doubt, there's no room for error. Homophobia is an abomination in the Bible. But, okay, well, won't you explain this scripture right here, slaves obey your masters? Well, that's out of context. See, it yeah, did, yeah, 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 Oh, oh, oh. So that's not exactly one hundred percent right. But the other thing yeah, see, I, I like how you do that little juggle right there. You know, and just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know, it, it's a, it's a trip. When you read the history of the, the entire religion and the Bible and stuff like that, and you'll find out about Martin Luther, who um, yeah. challenged the authority yeah. of the Pope and everything, and what he jacked up that was he decided to translate um, the Bible into something that the, the common folk could read. Right. Which, you know, challenged the authority and the power of uh, um, the uh, the church leaders. And they did not like that.
1: Exactly. exactly. As long as because you can keep people is-
0: ignorant, you can control them.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, but that's the same thing, you know, that happens in this country. Whereas, you know, I know... Several churches, and I remember this from when I was a little girl, and my mom used to drag me to these churches. How they didn't want us to watch television. Um, Education was frowned upon, and you know I still have members of my family that have, you know, that take issue for those of us that actually went on to higher education, and uh, you know that, that understand and learn and read and. And and the whole thing is it's about controlling folks. And okay, who is that? Um, um there we go. And basically when you want to come back, press one. Um basically we were discouraged from getting an education. We were discouraged from you know, sharing information, you know, with other people. Um, We were discouraged from, you know, um, talking about any of the things that we learned. Um, You know, it was basically, you know, we were called traitors, if you will. You know, there's some people in my family that, you know, have issues with me because I actually do read and I just, I don't believe a lot of the stuff that, you know, I was taught growing up with and what I don't understand with some of these people in the community, even in my family. They're intelligent, very yeah.
4: intelligent, but yeah. they want to
1: conform to the social standards that have been set. And again, we have to go back into our communities and take hold of these narratives. Take hold and, and go back in and change it and encourage, you know, enlightenment, encourage education, encourage them to be individuals, encourage them to be different. You don't have to do certain things because, <laughs> you know, um, because it's expected of you. I mean, hell, if you like to eat, you know, asparagus and Brussels um, Brussels sprouts in one meal, then so be it. Just don't sit in the same room with me an hour from now. But you can go ahead and eat them both at the same time if that's what you like. But, you know, know, that's my whole thing. Um, it's, It's a lot of that out here. And, again, we have to challenge the ignorance. We have to challenge, you know, the people that are holding on to the status quo as though, you know, it's, you know, their very lives, and that's not true. And when you go back into religion and you look at the church just in general, the ones that are kicking and screaming the most are usually the older people, the older established people, and that's because they have control. And they want to maintain that power and that control, and in some cases with that control comes the money. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, exactly And with some of these people, you know uh, If you go and you look at some of these, you know, older pastors You know, from way back when And some of them are still kicking and screaming Now, I know one particular pastor That so he's going to preach until the day they put him in his box And then he still may have them freeze him and put him in front But, you, you know, but basically it, it, it boils down to I just have a feeling That many of these people know what they're doing And they know that it's false They know it's not true But again, some of them Oh yeah, some of them This was their only opportunity out of poverty If you will Because many of them have no education They didn't have a lot of alternatives And you know, look at the state of You know, the communities of color in general Our unemployment rates are off the charts And what is one of the easiest things to do? Start a church Start a church How many credentials do you need to start a church All you need is to have one of your friends You know give you your minister's license And in some cases you don't even need that Just start a church File with the state And then you can basically ordain yourself You can go online Take a class for an hour And become ordained So I mean it's not hard To be an ordained pastor Or a minister But what I'm saying to you is A lot of these people, they see this as their way out. They want to hold on to the power. But in the meantime, they are abusing their power. They're abusing their authority. They are emotionally, psychologically, and in some cases physically, abusing the people that are under their tutelage, if you will. And that's the reason why we must continue to call it out. We must continue to show people that, you know, a lot of the things that we've been taught And, you know, that's we, all of us Because it's not just relegated to those that went to church A lot of this is part of our culture It's part of our culture And you see it on the news You see it on television um, All of that, you see it every day And it's, you know, like you know, I was giving an example. A couple of weeks ago, I was driving, and this is when we kept having these little ice you know, storms in Chicago, here and there. And I had to hit my brakes because I slid across some black ice. And black ice, you can't see. You just feel you lose the control of your car. And, you know, the first word that came out of my mouth was a cuss word, and the second word was Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's out mm-hmm. of pure habit. You know, it's out of habit. And, you know, not that I thought Jesus was going to take the wheel or anything like that. It was just, you know, out of habit. And, you know, again, like, bless you, someone sneezes. I don't say that. I say, be well. And, you know, because not saying anything just kind of does something to me, so I just say, be well. And, and, uh, you know, this, again, this is part of our culture. Is you know, part of what we've been taught. But, again, you know, understanding what fear is, what guilt is, and what shame is. And, you know, there are a lot of, you know, academic journals out there. I'm not going to post them because you often go out and do that research for yourself. But, you know, understanding what these emotions are. And I know I've spoken in the past about just emotions in general and how some people don't even know how to identify what, you know, some of their emotions are And some of that is because the twisting of the scriptures And the twisting of, you know, religion Because I know when I used to say things like Oh, I was sad or I was depressed Or had some type of issue or what have you Mario, you're back on the line And, um, you know, I was telling, you know, different people in my family How I was feeling I was I would be told that, you know, I was a child of God And that there is no such thing as depression or sadness in Christ. And that basically, you know, the joy of the Lord was my strength. And then I would be given these scriptures to go off and read like that was supposed to make me feel better. And it didn't make me feel better. All it did was confuse me and I wasn't the only one. And that's one of the wonderful things about, you know, again, the Internet and these different groups, and we're starting to communicate and find each other and, you know, support and, you know, guide each other in different respects. Um, What's good about it is, To know that I wasn't alone And that's why you'll always hear me say something To the effect of You're not alone out here There are other people out here that felt the same way you did And that believe Some of the same things you do Because one of the things that they would use I remember when I was growing up And even as an adult Was when I would Reel against something that was taught Or something that was trying to instill Any type of fear, guilt, and shame I would be told that there was something wrong with me and that I was the only person that felt that way. And so everybody else can't be wrong. So it went back into a majority rule. And that goes back into, you know, something that, you know, um, we kind of fall into, especially in this country, tribalism. So, you know, guys, go and look up um, tribalism, look up groupthink, um, look up um, mob mentality, you know, um, conforming to social standards, look up all of that, because that'll help you in your understanding. But, you know, it also helps cover up some of the soul-duggerous behavior and, you know, traditions in the church, because victims of sexual assault, um, victims of, you know, predatory behavior, and we can give many more examples, they were always told in most cases that no one would believe them and that they were the only one and no one would believe them. And it's coming out more and more you've seen these clash action suits against the Catholic Church and other churches. Um the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, you know, Latter day Saints, all of them, they there are lawsuits coming out about, you know, children as well as some adults, primarily women, that were victimized. <laughs> Me, that were victimized, and, you know, they were living in fear because, you know, they would use the scriptures and tell them that if they told anyone that God would kill them dead or that someone would come and kill their family or kill them if they told what happened and that people would believe that um, they were lying. And so, you know, people were living with that Fear, And then they were guilty in some cases um, Basically being told that they brought it on themselves That, you know, um, they, may, they must have done something To bring that type of shame on their family Or they may have done something for, you know, uh, these atrocities to be put on them And, you know, that's a hell of a burden for a child to carry around Hell of a burden for anybody to carry around And this is what has been used over, you know, the centuries here to, you know, keep people under control. You know, they're being told that it was their fault. So, again, the victim is re-victimized. And in some of these circles, and I've seen some of this firsthand, is some of those victims turn around and victimize other people. And so it turns into a perpetual cycle. You know, and as they say, you know, in in some cases this is true, other cases not so much, but hurt people hurt other folks. And so, again, you know, one of the issues that I've seen in this country is we'll throw money at a problem or we'll try to put a Band-Aid on a problem. Why can't we just try to deal with the root of the issue? Why keep throwing a Band-Aid on it or throwing money at the issue when we really need to go in and fix the issue? And that's one of the reasons why you'll see me talk a lot about you know mental health care throw up articles about mental health care because with some of these people until we get to the root of the issue, they're going to continue to you know live in 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 a state of dysfunction, if you will, and you know one thing that I've seen is people trade off so let's just say if someone had an issue with some type of um, substance addiction and they found Christ, they found religion, so they gave up the substance and they went over to religion, now the religion has turned into, you know, um, an addiction for them, if you will. And then that's why some of them hold on to their religion and when we, you know, will against religion, that's why they take it personal. They take it personal because they feel that that was their saving grace. And, you know, unfortunately with, you know, a lot of these religious institutions, they have, you know, railed against mental health care. They've railed against physical health care. You know, in some cases they don't even want you going to the doctor. You've seen several stories in which children and adults have died because they refuse to go to the doctor or to seek treatment. And, you know, again, they'll use the scriptures to try to justify that. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you need a blood transfusion, you're just kind of SOL there. Um, And I'm glad, you know, that some people are learning. Um, I had someone write me the other day. They want us to do a show about Latter-day Saints, Jehovah's Witnesses, and um, cults of that particular persuasion there. Because quite a few people have come up out of that And so, you know, I need to do some research And we will do a show about that before the end of the year And, again, you know, a lot of abuse A lot of abuse has come from the church Has come from these mechanisms But, you know, the unfortunate part is This kind of... um, It boils over So... You know, a lot of people take this to heart, not only in a religious context, it starts to affect their everyday lives as well, because that's why you see a lot of these politicians, especially around election time, coming to these churches and getting up in a pulpit and saying a few scriptures and acting as though, you know, they are in lockstep with the pastor. And that's done for a reason, but again, with, you know, some of these people not questioning What the pastor said in trying to follow along blindly, they do some of the same things with the politician. Because, you know, to kind of give you an example, you know, not just to beat up on one particular person, there are several of them, but one good example is Marion Berry up in D.C. He was caught on tape smoking crack with his house, right? You know, um, He was reelected, went away, and was reelected. Why? Name recognition. And they keep reelecting these incumbents, especially if they use a couple of scriptures. There are some politicians out here, you would not believe what was really happening, but they keep getting reelected, and some of them end up being incarcerated. They come out. The people are familiar with them, and they reelect them. Why? And that's when people have to question, right there. I mean,
2: how can if, if, if that's what they believe in? How can they be Christian? Why don't people question that part? You know, how can you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't even hear no churches fighting against these guns.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well that's because they're working hand in hand and this is how it works. All right, so you'll have, you know, the politicians out there and what they do is they make alliances with, you know, some of these pastors and if the pastors, you know, rail against certain issues and come to the defense of the politician, what the politician does is they encourage the churches to apply for certain grants. and this happens on a federal level, too Don't forget about um, the faith-based Initiatives the that was started by Bush, and it was supposed to be eradicated By, you know, the Obama Administration, but, mm, no, Not so much, you know, they Renewed it, and it's just a big old Mess, so what happens is They encourage them to apply for These grants, and then The grants are steered Towards certain people And so we have to be, you know, very, very careful about that type of thing because they're working together, you know, and even though 501c3s, nonprofit organizations, churches in particular, aren't supposed to be, you know, politically biased, in many cases they are, and many of them have openly defied the IRS um, in regards to, you know, their political affiliations. Um, It seems as though the IRS is afraid to challenge them on that Mm -hmm. You know, and again, you know, some people in the congregation They vote for who their pastor tells them to vote for And, you know, the gentleman that called the show a couple of weeks ago And he was asking why, you know, African Americans Who generally are conservative in nature Why they keep voting for Republicans And I read the response last week that um, Dr. Hutchison gave, and we gave him a response that Sunday as well. And basically, you know, a lot of it has to do with acculturation. You know, A-C-C-U-L-T-U-R-A-T-I-O-N, acculturation. And, you know, what we have become accustomed to, and the Democratic Party has offered um you know again the black community some restless, if you will and you know this is one of the reasons why there is some you know uh, loyalty to them and the republican party has been doing a horrible job uh, in their public relations regarding the black community but me personally i believe that they're both in collusion and neither one of them are for our communities because if they were, we would have some definite changes to public policy. But then, you know, there would be some changes in our communities. And again, it goes back to where are the jobs? Where are the economic and educational, you know, advantages? Where, you know, where are the opportunities? Where is this coming from? And I,
2: I agree with that. I, you know, I agree with that. But at the same time,
1: well, mm-hmm. see,
2: I, I don't consider myself a a Republican or a Democrat, because whoever whoever I feel is is saying the right thing and, and may do the right thing, that's who I'm gonna vote for. But, um, you know, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Obama said one thing uh, that that stuck with me when when I when I voted for him. He said, uh, "Yes, yes, we can." Now, yes, I can. And a lot of Organizations, we got these black organizations and churches and all these big places that taking and taking in and, uh, 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 fees and donations and stuff. I don't see how come we can't come together and have our own big businesses and everything. It's part of part of the problem is us. Not we can't blame it on the on those people up there in Congress.
1: Oh yeah, definitely we we can't necessarily blink yes we can. The reason why, you know, I can say that is because again, Deborah, I'm gonna get you a copy of um um Doctor Hutchinson's book and you know, I've talked about this on my wall and I've given, you know, you know, official documents from the government, but there are public policies in place that mm-hmm. are you know systematically applied to african american's institutionalized racism in which let's take it all the way back to fha you know the federal housing authority yeah, and yeah. how it was implemented this is public policy this is law yeah yeah that you know the ghettoization of communities of color you know with the redlining you know th- you know mortgages and loans weren't you know afforded to black especially in certain neighborhoods, because yeah. it is designed to keep us economically and educationally disadvantaged. Why? Yeah. Because as long as we are educationally and economically disadvantaged, they can make money off of us. That's you right. Understand? I understand. Oh, yeah. So what I'm saying is that while it does not all 100% fall on you know our politicians, at the end of the day, They created those laws. They can overturn those laws. We need to put pressure. This is one of the reasons why I say we lost an opportunity with President Obama in office, and I understand about the obstructionism and what's happening up there. I understand all of that, but we cannot allow President Obama to just walk away From all of this unscathed While he oh, has no. done some things that have Benefited our community He could have done a lot more But going well, back well, well, it, I, I, I'm, go I'm sorry I, I just want to jump in on that You know, I actually think that are things that Obama Has done for our team, we just don't know What they are because they are not publicized at all right. Right. The Affordable Care Act Is a perfect example of that Mm-hmm. What people also know about the Affordable Care Act as far as the, um, our health, you know, getting health care uh, providers. Well, right. What they don't know is that there's something called a community transformation grant that's also part of the ACA, which includes transforming communities and fixing the social determinants of health. So, and for example, I was going to say I agree with you, and I've talked about that because I was happy that the Affordable Care Act because there are too many people in our community dying from preventative, you know, illnesses and things of that nature. And I've even told people in our community how to take, you know, what's happening with the Affordable Care Act and apply for these same grants that you're talking about and create businesses. They can create transportation businesses. They can create customer service businesses and things right. like that to help people. So, you know, I, you know I'll give credit, you know, where it's, you know, with the Affordable Care Act as well as you know, the Consumer Protection Act and other things. And even right. the Department of Justice with Eric Holder, that is benefiting our community, you know. But we need to take it further, especially with the Department of Justice and the sentencing disparities that, you know, are helping us. But what they right. need to take a look at are basically like with, um, you know, the um, federal student loans and, you know, different right. things of that nature take that or take away the restrictions that people that have been convicted of drug crimes cannot apply for these loans, cannot get federal grants and student aid and all that's right, I, I agree. I think
0: a lot of the I think a lot of the, the politicians and stuff like that is supposed to be the face of the community that they represent. And when you still have a lot of this good old boy um pseudo racism mentality floating around and everything and all the rich people trying to keep what they got and make sure they don't lose it and try to um keep the money flowing in while also trying to keep meat for the grinder that's why you know they don't that's why they're try they're so against uh abortions and stuff like that you need more meat for the grinder you know i mean you need more uh you need more soldiers you need more workers and stuff like that you know and i if I, I look at this country and i laugh i also let, uh, I also I've never been. I've never considered myself to be uh, very uh, uh, patriotic. I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a loyal patriotic American and everything like that. But uh, um, I do. I do believe that a lot of this stuff falls on us. Like after Obama won the election, you know, that next two years, nobody went out and voted for the rest of the the Republicans. I mean, uh, Democrats, right? So right. then the, uh, the Republicans closed in and nearly won both of the uh, both of the gang houses, mm-hmm. and so that right there really kind of I, that had a lot of repercussions what i could see.
1: oh yeah but then we gotta also so, remember even before you know um the midterm elections you know in which the republicans won control of the house and the senate we have to remember even before no, that happened yeah. even though it was democratically controlled we still had the blue dog democrats and the blue dog mm-hmm. democrats are democrats that vote republican it's a lot of them and you know, again, you know, my solution to all of this is vote them all out, take their pinches away, and let them pull mm-hmm. themselves up by their bootstraps like they tell the rest of us. And, you know, again, um, I just, like I said, you know, going back into the fear, guilt, and shame, you know, again, that's why I'm going to get that book to you, Deborah. Yeah. Um, once I get my, you know, books in, you know, I have a few to send out. And basically, um, you know. A oh, no, I'm sorry babe. You know, there are a lot of stereotypes About, you know um, And this is one of the reasons why You know, I tell people in a Free God community This is why I don't Get into debates with Christians anymore You know, when you know better, you do better And I've learned mm-hmm. And I've apologized to the Christians that I may have hurt Over the years because I was wrong I was wrong I should not have done that And my apologies again And The reason why I say that is because getting out here and making them feel bad and making them feel stupid. I'm just talking in general because there are times when you have to challenge and correct things. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying is with some of these people, this is all the hope that they have. And in many cases, they do not know any better, which is why I feel that it's conducive for us to educate ourselves and to be able to educate them. Because I've spoken to many believers And, you know, I've even brought Some over to our side of the fence If you will, you know, not just because We have faith, but because I was able to lay out, you know um, You know, very Very solid argument But, whoa I don't know what that is Um, All right, there And basically, you know It's important that, you know we talk to them because, again, we have to break down these stereotypes and these stigmas because religious people aren't lazy. The majority of them live at or below the poverty line, and they're looking for some type of hope. In many cases, they are desperate, you know, they're hopeless, and that's not all of them. There's some, you know, because there are some that are very happy and very well off, you know, but... They've been taught that God will make a way out of No way, and that God is the answer to all of their questions You know, while they toil And basically You know, we have to break down a lot of these Stigmas and these stereotypes Because, again, we have to teach history History, for you out there That are listening, history is going To be your best weapon ever So, you know, when they Ask you, well, why did God, make me poor? Why am I living in poverty? It goes back to what we were just talking about, you know, with the political. You know, go back and look up homesteading. You will hear, you know, especially with some of these races I hear, especially the ones that hate Obama and hate black people in particular, but especially him, they'll say or they'll attempt to say that black people are lazy and we should be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and all of that. No, go back to homesteading. And how this country was divided up and given away And how Mm -hmm. blacks were excluded from that Go back to the GI Bill And how, you know, women were denied the GI Bill And the majority of blacks were denied access to the GI Bill Even though these same black men fought in the war And how the GI Bill, as well as, you know, um, interstate policies, public policies How this created this wealth gap The redlining, you know, in the mortgage industry All of this And for those of you who want a better understanding Pick up God with Samaritana You know, um, she lays it out Dr. Hutchinson lays it out in that book Um, You know, I've posted several links If you all want me to post the links again You know, I'll post them again But, you know, I just throw them up there periodically Because I want you to read it You know, and You know, that was the Federal Housing Authority And, you know, I've posted Articles about how um, blacks are Or people of color Aren't afforded to Move into certain areas Even though they may be appro- Approved for a long Certain amount there are only certain Places where they can live they will not Let them live in other areas mm-hmm. Of you know town Because you know uh, the people in that particular community, Mara, you're back, the people in that particular community do not want them there, and then they have people lobbying to keep, you know, people of color out of certain neighborhoods. Why? Because they want you to live in certain places, in particular the cities, the inner cities. Why? So they can make money off of you. Because they buy the land for cheap and they rent it out for exorbitant amounts of money. But this last... Um, crisis that we had with the mortgage Industry a lot Of people of color lost You know vast amounts of wealth Behind that we were Heard badly and I've posted Different articles and informationals About how communities Of color lost In you know um, This mortgage bubble and You know you still have a lot of people out here Blaming you know um, Papa Bush and baby Bush And while they played somewhat of a role in that, truth be told, the person you need to be blaming is um, Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. So let's just put it in its proper perspective. You know, that was Bill Clinton's fault with the deregulation. you know, of that, um, the deregulating of, you know, um, the financial industry. Also, you know, a lot of people are upset and, you know, blaming, you know, Papa and baby Bush. About what happened with the manufacturing jobs And how we've lost a lot of jobs And a lot of these companies Have moved to third and fourth world countries And have shipped, you know, their production And distribution centers over to Mexico And all of these other places Hey guys, stop blaming Bush Even though they continued on with some of the traditions That was Bill Clinton's fault NAFTA now, I know some of you are like, what is she talking about over there? I used to be a Republican, I used and, you know, I consider myself um, an independent now. So just to kind of give you a better understanding, and, you know, I'm not, you know, preaching or teaching, you know, a Republican platform. This is all politics, and, you know, I can support what I'm saying.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I can support what I'm saying. Um we need to get out here and we need to see what's happening and what's really going on. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it was, you know, Papa, Baby Bush, or Bill Clinton, or Barack Obama. People are being hurt, and we need to put pressure on the politics. But it starts with your local politicians. and it works its way up to the federal. And we need to basically um, start putting pressure where it's built. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, um, with the faith-based initiative, that's a federal program in which they steer funds to religious institutions. The question is why? Always ask why. Be skeptical about everything. Be skeptical about being skeptical. But always ask why. Why? You know, it's... And it's important for you all to understand what's happening, because um, Barack Obama was supposed to be um, basically eradicating that particular department, and he didn't do it. As a matter of fact, he named bizarre, the and they just um, reappointed someone new um, this year. So go and look up faith-based initiatives, and in addition to that, secular-based 501c3s, secular-based. Nonprofits are scrutinized I mean, seriously scrutinized Whereas religious ones are kind of able to get away with a lot more Um, Again, look up misappropriation of funds and religious institutions And you'll be surprised, you know, what you'll pull up um, on the Internet And what's happening out there But again a lot of this goes back to fear guilt and shame but not only on you know behalf of the proletariat or the working class people and the poor people in this country but there is some fear you know you know with the government because at the end of the day a lot of what we're experiencing we voted those people in and we have to take some responsibility for that we put the money in the collection plate for the tides and offerings Mm -hmm. So we have to take some responsibility for that, you know, and the only way we can kind of change some things around, we have to change ourselves. And a lot of the money that people are, you know, putting into the collection plates, you know, and I've posted articles about the billions, not millions, but billions of dollars that have been taken in by the church, people should be questioning, why have they not not used those monies, those dollars to build businesses? in the community. Then going back to what I was saying about mental health care earlier, the only time they started accepting the fact that people needed mental health care, because, see, understand this, if you're sick, whether you're sick, you know, physically, mentally, or financially, or what have you, whatever issue is going on with you there, that keeps them in control. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, You're so busy being focused on what's happening in your life that, you know, they can kind of get away with some things. But they started advocating for mental health care when they found a way to monetize. You know, that's where these Christian counselors come in. You have all of these life coaches all over the place. And not only are they able to build your insurance companies, they build the state. So there are some people going into these programs that are already hurting, and they come out worse than they went in. Right. So you know we have to be careful with that, and even going back to the Affordable Care Act, which was wonderful, is going to. I wish we had the single single payer option, but you know we'll take what we get for right now because that can always be expanded later. But the thing is that Mark Mar works. You know, before it was even passed, I was telling people that these churches were going to start organizing and being at being able to sell insurance policies. And quite a few of them have done that, and they're selling insurance um, policies through their churches, through their own private companies. And, of course, their members are going to buy from them, so they're profiting that way, just like, you know, they're not opening up, you know, a few call centers. But the people that they're hiring basically are family members or people that have been loyal to them. They're not You know, offering jobs to people in the communities that they live in The majority of these churches are an economically and educationally disadvantaged neighborhood Yet they offer the people nothing Why do you stand for that? And I I feel that these people should petition these churches out of their neighborhoods If you're not doing anything for the community, then you don't need to be a part of the community
2: I asked this church uh preacher one time he was on t v and you could call in, and he claims that the big churches don't wanna uh come together with the small churches. I said now come on, come on, y'all now I don't you know come on, please, give me a break mm-hmm. you know if they can't work it out how the hell can how the hell can you teach uh, a community anything
1: yeah Yeah, you know it's, you know again, we have to do better. We have to do better, you know, and it takes all of us. And you know we're not going to agree on, you know, on everything, and that's okay. But you know this is where it comes down to. We need to be able to sit down and have these conversations. And again, we have to look beyond the individual person. You know, and while there are some, you know, I can be, you know, self absorbed at times, trust me, I can be. But when it comes to the greater good of the community, you know, I'm looking at the bigger picture. And I know that by helping someone else, in essence, I will be helping myself personally. I would rather feed everybody on my block and create jobs that in my immediate community that people will have jobs to go to. There will be grocery stores so that people can make better choices for their food. There will be a recreation center so that these children can expend some energy as well as some adults and some learning, you know, opportunities. Look, you you know, I'm doing okay. You know, I haven't missed a meal, but there are people that have. Yeah, And, you know, and I feel bad for these people, and I do the best that I can to help them. But we need help. We cannot do this by ourselves. You know, it takes a community. It takes a <laughs> community. And it is to my advantage to make sure that everybody in the community has something to eat that has some sense of pride, that has some semblance of dignity. Because, again, many of the issues that we are facing now with, you know, um, the criminal elements, you know, with, you know, the murder race, teenage pregnancy, and all of these different things, is because we do not have a level playing field. Honey, it all boils down to money. You know, these other social constructs are just that social construct, and it's a bunch of bullshit, okay, to keep us, you know, distracted. And it's about money. It's about money. Where are the jobs? Where where are the educational benefits? Where are the opportunities? Where has all of this gone? And who's benefiting from these opportunities not being available here? And that's why I would tell you guys to go and do some studying on economics. You know, it is by design. That a certain percentage of the U.S. population is unemployed and underemployed If everybody in this economy was employed and we had a 0% employment rate, our economy would collapse Mm -hmm. And then maybe one day I'll explain to you guys how that works But, um, you know, go out and study a little bit of economics and you'll understand what I'm saying You know, so a lot of this stuff is by design The question is why? and who's profiting from it. That's what you need to question, and that's what you need to get a better understanding of. You know, do I have all the answers? Hell no. A lot of stuff that I'm still trying to figure out myself, and that's why I tell you guys all the time, I'm learning with you and I'm growing with you. You teach me things, I teach you things. You know, I have no problem saying that I've made mistakes. You've heard me say it in the past. There are a lot of things that I don't know. And that's the wonderful thing about having different people around is that everybody teaches me something in one respect or another. And, you know, I hope I teach people some things as well. So that's why it's great for us to, you know, communicate back and forth and get a better understanding of life. But, guys, you know, yeah, this it's about money. It's all about money and it's about control. And so, you know, I would just, you know, encourage you guys to go out and study up and to get a better understanding. And as far as, you know, that guilt, fear, and shame, guys, you got to learn how to let it go.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: you got to learn how to, you know, um, to let it go and to move on. Um, <laughs> you know, life goes on, and we have to find a better way um you know, on how to live and how to deal with one another. But, you know, to go back, um, you know, to what, you know, Vita was saying earlier about um, the Affordable Care Act, she's 100% correct. You know, and and President Obama has done a lot that will greatly benefit, you know, communities of color, and we have to recognize what he has done, that has been good. But we also can't allow, you know, things that could have been handled better, you know, to um, fall by the wayside either. Not just with him, with all of the politicians. Like I said, you know, got to start with your local politicians as well, because the local politics that affect you the most, you know. And um, one of my favorite movies is The Devil's Advocate. Yeah, I know. But the best line out of that movie came from John Milton. You know the. Double character in there And he said guilt is like a bag of fucking bricks All you got to do is set it down
4: mm-hmm.
1: And I say that's the same thing about this fear, guilt, and shame All of it All you have to do is set it down Now, you know, I'm not necessarily telling people to become selfish hedonists That only really care about themselves But what I'm saying is a lot of this indoctrination it's just that, you know, it's indoctrination, and, you know, it's been designed to control you. It's definitely yeah. designed to control you. So, again, you know, we have to educate ourselves and, you know, come up out of this. And, you know, someone in the chat room said, yeah, everybody wants to be in charge, and that's true, you know, Quite a few people want to be in charge, and what they don't realize is that when you are in charge, when you are the leader, with that comes a certain amount of responsibility, responsibility and accountability. So if you are not willing to take on that responsibility, but you just want the celebrity and the power, then, (laughs) mm -mm, you know, you're not ready to be in leadership. You have to take the good and the bad.
0: I don't think I would ever want to be president of this of this country or any country because it seems like you're in, you're in a position where either you got to be a businessman enough to not care, care about the people, only care about making money, or you care too much about the people, you might, you know, end up being a target for those who care more about the money. You know what I'm saying? And it seems like, you know, you're in a, Pretty much a no-win situation. You can't. You gotta. You're, you're beholden not only to those that support you, but you gotta take care of everybody else, even those who don't support you. And you got to make make uh, um, your supporters happy. And it just seemed like there's a lot of stuff to deal with and everything. I, I would not envy anybody having to be the president. There's, there's, I guess is one reason why they age so quick, so 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 rapidly once they get in the office and whatnot. Um, and there's another thing. It's like you know. There's there are so many things that this country needs. There are so many things that this country is goofed up on, and and so many inequalities, so many prejudices, so many um, things that need to be fully corrected. You know, I mean, and there's no way, there's no way it's all gonna be corrected as long as there's somebody greedy who needs more shit, who needs more money, who needs to get his million dollar bonus despite the fact that the company has it's been in the red for. Mm-hmm years and everything like that, and as long as there are people who feel like uh, there is something that they have an exclusive right to that other people should not have access to, you know, say, be it marriage or um, health, better health care or something like that, you know, and as long as there are, there are people who are willing to turn the blind eye to how so many politicians are getting away with so much shit, you know, say, how the hell do you reelect that guy well, you mentioned his name, and it just slipped out of my head. Um, the black dude that kind of either raped or sexually assaulted was the name of oh, yeah. Nita Hill or something. You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you let that slide? How do you let a, 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 a dude you know how do you let a dude uh, um, slide with so much stuff? You know, you the, the playing field is so unlevel in this country and really across the world that I'm really surprised our country is still here. That there are so many people still able to make a living. I mean, you can sit there and you can fund multiple wars and maybe about to get into a war with somebody else, but you know, if I don't pay my student loans, you're going to come at me as though I robbed you.
2: Yeah. But well, you're I...
0: building, rebuilding their infrastructure. You don't kick somebody's ass and then pay his hospital bill. All mm-hmm.
2: right? You know, uh, I mean, uh, it's riding, it's riding on a white horse like you, uh, what's that guy that ride? Uh, I can't think of it. In in uh ride, rode in a on a uh, to save people. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs>
4: nah, you, you sure?
1: <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, you know, just you know, going back to you know everything. I mean, you know, um, tying it back into religion and what Mario just said about. You know, how are you going to go in and hurt people or destroy people And then go back in and build them up That's the basic premise of religion as well as the government to a certain degree But I'll just go in the context of religion You go into a church and some people go in and, you know, they're already hurting from whatever it is That they may be dealing with they're going through And then they chip away at, you know, your self-esteem even more and they tear you down to rebuild you up. Mm-hmm. But then they want to rebuild you in the way that they want you to be, you know, uh, you know, as far as your mannerisms, your thought processes, your ideologies and all of that. And then they want you to become one of them, one of their little robots. And when you resist, there's an issue. But, I mean, the same thing in the political climate, whereas, you know, um, you know, you're one of the little people. You don't know any better. We know better, you know, we're the government and we're going to make it right And we're going to do all of these things for you And they tear you down Just like, you know, some of the examples now You know, requiring people who are, you know, um, on public assistance And, you know, even unemployment They're, you know, in certain places they've passed laws requiring them to, you know, take a drug test But mm-hmm. Why can't we require that our, our politicians take a drug test? You know, mm-hmm. you're a public Serving, you're receiving public monies, too So we can all, all go get Drugs tested together, how about that? And, not
2: this, you know Not just drugs, them, them suckers I think they've taken um, uh, Psychological medication Because mm-hmm. they're crazy as hell They're crazy as hell
1: <laughs> You know, it's, the whole thing You know, it's, it's interesting But, you know, yeah You know, I think they've lost their minds yeah, they If you ever had one (laughs) But, you know, hey We got to go back We got to take control of the narrative But most importantly Before we can go in and do a lot of these things We have to understand ourselves And understand where a lot of this Indoctrination has come from And, you know, again It's not just necessarily taught in the churches If you will, it's taught in the media um, Our cultural indoctrination You know, all of these things and, again, you know, be mindful of the fear, the guilt, and the shame. You know, again, a little self-esteem. You know, you have a lot of different, you know, components to this. But, you know, I just picked on fear, guilt, and shame. But, again, these are Jedi mind tricks, and this is to keep you distracted. Keep you distracted so that you will not focus on the real issues. But, yeah, we need to be accountable, take some accountability. But, again, you know, what we do have in front of us, take advantage of it, use it to the best of your ability. Again, you know, like I said, Vita, you know, who dropped off, um, made a great point about some of the benefits that have come from the Affordable Care Act and, you know, the consumer protection laws and, you know, a variety of other things. Let's take advantage of that, you know, and, you know, again, it can provide opportunities. I've talked about people starting transportation companies, call centers, you know, appointment setting, you know, businesses. I mean, there are different things that can be done. But, you know, again, um, you know, it's about working together. But on that note, again, you know, I want to give you all a heads up. May is Lupus Awareness Month. I've given you all some of the symptoms of that Um, You know, we donate money to causes such as lupus and autism You know, pretty soon I'm going to let you guys know about the marathon I'm going to be running in November Me and my trainer were working hard to get me in shape So I can um, run this marathon And, you know, we're on our way But next Sunday, again, what is next Sunday's show? I'm looking at my notes here Oh, black women, and we're going to be talking about stereotypes and victimization. The Sunday after that, which is the 19th, we're going to have Dr. Chris Cameron on, and we're going to talk about his life, his journey, and free thought history. He's a historian. And after that, in the month of June, we are going to have Derek Mack, also known as the Anti-Intellect, for those of you who are familiar with him. I'm locking down a date on that. And we will be starting our um, book club in June. It will be the last week in June. And the book that we have on the docket right now is called The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. So we're giving you plenty of time to read it. It will be the end of June, so now you've got over a month and a half. And we're going to add Uncle Tom's Cabin out there since people don't seem to know who Uncle Tom is. You know, they don't seem to know that You know, going to teach you the difference between a Tom and a Sambo And on that note We are going to play a song From um, Father Teresa Now this is another song And I just absolutely love this cut here You know, this is a surprise for him But I want to play this for you guys So until then You all have a lovely weekend And I will see you all next Sunday
2: Have a good one
1: You too
3: It's all behind this door. Lady and gentlemen, the beer room.
0: Picture perfection and
3: poetry impenetrable force fields are over me I smothered our notebooks and cocoa leaves So that we can be considered some doping peas. I'm still floating over these Niggas heads with the anti-gravitational potency Impregnating the slower speech With the up-tempo thought process and the ultra speed Nitrous and my shit Hits the vibe wit Fecal acceleration Lacing them on
0: the road with me I dip on I-5 wit Riders and Southsiders try to diss and we'll show ya heat. Mirachi philosophical fonts impersonations are. Ooh. Forget about it and quit. Hey, the game spittin' nigga Kane fixing the switch lanes with snake griffin in his plane. Shit's finna change. Raise Insane up. in the brain, Mr. Kane. The motherfucking hustle the main. Stay up. spittin' with to give him a taste of venom from your nigga Snake Griffin Insane in the brain, Mr. Kane The motherfucking hustler man Stay spitting with the vision To give him a taste of venom from your nigga Snake Griffin Me and L.I. Rebecca back iller than most Niggas don't like a vibe, take a dick in your throat See what I'm giving you, bitches Splitting rhythms, when I'm spitting is knowledge I'm giving it wisdom, you better get offended To raping and killing your you while pillaging your that watch you change your life I want the bitch not
3: give it We came to please you, But left you with a seizure Fucking disease yeah. Bitch not meet the grim reaper I'm blessed cause I should Niggas flex like you should Get my neck in the woods take your neck in the woods Then I penetrate your brain Then an extra page The pain. entity rearrange Your weight and disconnect your legs Run the mug up in the game Till I hawk up off the fame Glory and prestige That I deserve all my days Now with these last lines, I'm just trying to fit some space and 16 Put dots on your body Like jungle bitches we hit her with the day, make you look sick as the man. Can't hold you niggas, not man, Shit's better chase. Razor. Infame in the brain that's the cane. The motherfucking love of the man. Raise Razor. Stay spitting with the vision to give up a cheek. T- the motherfucking nigga snake. Razor.